Thank you for joining us on another season of Beyond Clean, a live podcast where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. Beyond Clean is a podcast that is broadcast out of our studios inside Gym Supply in Orlando, Florida. We're always looking for guests at Beyond Clean, so reach out to me, your host, David Thompson, at dthompson at academyofcleaning.com or call us at 888-999-6059. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, let's get started with today's guest on Beyond Clean. Good morning, folks. This is Dave Thompson. I'm your host today. We are live here on Podbean Live. It's uh, 10 o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning. Yep, you're getting started right with us. Uh, you know what? We're probably by ourselves this morning because on a Monday morning, most people are taking care of everything and not listening to a podcast. So if you join us live this morning, um, please uh, enter in your comment or your thought in the chat box. And who knows? We might have you on the air. But you didn't come on here this morning to listen to me banter and chat, although I am very good at that. I have a special guest. It's his first time on air with us, Troy Raska with Pure Air Controls. Troy, is technology working with us this morning? It is, Dave, and thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, that's good. You know, that's always the challenge on a Monday morning. Is everything working as it should? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I know. You, You don't know those challenges, do you, Troy? Well, occasionally I do, you know, with all the different technology and, and certainly being new uh, to Beyond Clean uh, and Podbean. But no, it's it's working smoothly. Thanks a lot. Well, you know, hey, you know, you're supposed to learn something every week and you started out your week learning something new, right? There you go. Yep. I love it. Okay. So, Troy, uh, let's kind of, uh, you know, your first time on the uh, podcast with us. So, um, you know, hey, as most people do with podcasts, they listen to these recorded. So we want to make sure that whenever you're listening to this, folks, that you understand who Troy Raska is and who, you know, well, Pure Air Controls is all about. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, as he said, my name is Troy Raska, and I'm the Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Pure Air Control Services Incorporated. And I've been with the company uh, almost six years now, and uh, so I have a pretty extensive background in in uh, advertising and marketing and public relations, uh, and that's sort of what brought me here. And uh, Pure Air Control Services uh, is a very interesting company with with a long history, as a matter of fact, uh, in both HVAC uh, and indoor air quality. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've uh, been around since 1984. And we started as a you know small mid-sized mechanical contractor uh, here in Central Florida, uh, doing both residential and commercial uh, HVAC applications. And and very quickly uh, during that time, our CEO Alan Wozniak, uh, it's a family-run company to this day, uh, but our CEO Alan Wozniak and president. Uh, started to notice a trend all the way back there in the mid and late 80s uh, that, you know, a lot of these HVAC contractors were just moving boxes. They're, they're just selling metal uh, into your home or into your business or university or government uh, agency, you know, city, county, state government. And they're not really doing much uh, with the duct work 
uh, with letting folks know what uh, this system is doing to the indoor environment and how it affects the indoor environment. And then, of course, through experience, saw a lot of really nasty conditions uh, built up in the ductwork uh, inside of these older units that he was replacing. And it sort of dawned on him, you know, what what can not only what can we do to, to differentiate ourselves, but more importantly, what can we do to help folks uh, understand that this uh, system is crucial uh, to good indoor air quality? And of course, you know, here we are back in the 80s. Uh, energy efficiency, airtight buildings were just starting to come into, you know, come into existence or prominence uh, with the way buildings were being engineered. Uh, building uh, automation systems uh, were very rudimentary at this point. And so he was sort of on the cusp of where all of this was going. So he very quickly in, you know, 85, 86 pivoted this company to being more of an indoor air quality focus than just a regular mechanical contractor. And so as such, we, we started a building sciences division that would go into uh, these buildings and take a look at what the overall health and performance of this building was, uh, not only relative to the HVAC zones, the zones that these pieces of equipment were servicing, but the actual equipment itself. And then maybe about 10 years later, uh, 94, 96, uh, we actually commissioned an in-house laboratory that focused exclusively uh, on, you know, indoor environmental conditions. Uh, and, of course, the study of all of these constituents or contaminants that might have been found in a building. So, you know, flash forward even to 2020 and now 2021, you know, this COVID-19 pandemic that we're in, uh, it's, while it's very serious and, uh, and definitely is affecting the indoor environments with buildings being closed and, and, but it's nothing new to us, right? You know, we, we looked at and developed methods and technologies uh, to assess these buildings and clean them and these systems through H1N1, through the original SARS pandemic, SARS uh, you know, uh, back maybe 10 years ago, uh, and, and other, uh, sort of pandemics, cold flu seasons, allergy seasons. So when COVID came along, we were actually quite prepared with our building sciences team and our laboratory to be able to quickly assess the science, uh, involved with, uh, the pandemic, the emerging building sciences that were happening once the CDC finally recognized what we sort of knew all along. And, and then that was, this is an aerosolized transmission vector or transmission route for this. Uh, and again, ventilation, uh, your HVAC system is playing a huge role in this. Um, and so we were able to contribute, uh, and get out ahead of this thing, uh, running. So, you know, that's sort of the, the background. Of course, we have uh, a mechanical division still, uh, and it's mainly focused on remediation. So we're not necessarily uh, putting out fires uh, for, you know, many of the customers that we deal with, you know, they have uh, HVAC technicians on their staff, or they might work with a big mechanical. So we're coming in alongside uh, that existing staff or existing uh, contractor 
and providing the indoor air quality side to it, the health and hygiene and the risk management inside of these systems. Uh, so, you know, we're not replacing belts and we're not uh, lubing these systems up. Uh, we're not, you know, replacing capacitors and parts. We're coming in and looking at the overall conditions uh, and assessing the performance. So kind of a hybrid between industrial hygiene, uh, T&B, test and balance type of uh, scenario, and then uh, on the remediation side, uh, we will go in and we will deep clean these systems. We will restore these systems with, uh, you know, refinish and refurb them, right? You know, with uh, uh, sandblasting and then high-performance primer and coatings and drain pan liners and this kind of thing to be able to, you know, essentially restore these units in place. Uh, other things, of course, uh, technologies such as UV, bipolar ionization, uh, and and what have you, you know, sort of complete the package as far as the mechanical side goes. So, you know, that's basically pure air control services in, in a nutshell. You know, we focus uh, on a prescriptive approach to IAQ, indoor air quality, and HVAC management. And, and so, you know, we're always going to look at test and measure uh, and get that important data to figure out what exactly is going on uh, in the building or in the system before we would prescribe uh, any remedies to it. So we're, you know, we're not a company that just comes in and and says, "Yep, you need to have your ducts cleaned." You know, we're going to look uh, at the underlying and baseline conditions uh, before we even make a single recommendation on how to fix something. So you know, Dave. Uh, it's almost akin to, you know, going to your doctor or your dentist, right? Like, you know, you wouldn't go to your dentist uh, with a toothache and have the dentist go, well, you know what? Your teeth look a little dirty. Why don't you just put these whitening strips on them? And then he sends you away. You know, he's going to ask a lot of questions. How often do you brush? How often do you uh, floss your teeth? Uh, are, you know, are you taking good care of the hygiene in your mouth? Uh, you know, before he's going to make any sort of prescriptive recommendations to fill a cavity or to give you a bridge, right? The same thing with your doctor. He's, you're not just going to go to your primary care doctor and, and he says, hey, how are you feeling? And you go, well, you know, I'm pretty good. You know, I'm myself, I'm 52, right? So, uh, you know, it's just a few aches and pains. Okay, great. Listen, I'm sending you down the hall and we're just going to go ahead and take your gallbladder out. You know, he's not going to do that. <laughs> he's going to ask you questions. He's going to send you, you know, for tests and take your blood and see what's really going on in, you know, your system, right? Your, your physiological system. So a building uh, from top down, uh, you know, is no different. You know, the, these systems serve a critical function in the building. And so that, that's really our underlying, you know, mission is to, to have a good fundamental understanding of what's happening in the building before we just start making recommendations or partnering with people to do work. Folks, I got to tell you, there is 40 years of history in 10 minutes. <laughs> no, it's, and, it's, it's, and it is hard, you know, and I was listening to all of the things I was thinking about my own career, you know, starting back in, in the late seventies through the eighties and the nineties, I was on the other side of that stick, uh, Troy, you know, I was one inside the buildings trying to take care of it. And and I think the, the reason that we have this podcast is to talk about the correlation between people in the cleaning industry and industry professionals that focus on healthy things like what you do. Because our three words with this podcast 
is healthy, positive, and proactive. Mm. And and I think that's what you're hitting on. I think it's interesting as I listened to you, Troy, you started out as a mechanical operation, and now mechanical is something we also do. And I think this is the success of entrepreneurship is adjusting to the needs in the market, but also foreseeing what people don't see. And so much of the time, indoor air quality up until this last 16, 18 months, um, people kind of treated it as a, a really just an afterthought. And now today, it's a forethought. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely correct. And and even though I've only been in it six years, obviously, I've, I had a lot of the pre-pandemic, uh, you know, experience under my belt. And, and I think it kind of all goes back to this notion of deferred maintenance. You know, what what can I afford? What can I afford? But it shouldn't even be a matter of that. It should be, you know, you you can't not afford right. to take care of these things, right? And and we know that you, even someone high up like NASA, people are like, oh, well, who's that? You know, I thought it's all Elon Musk now. Uh, <laughs> but no, NASA did their own studies, obviously, coming through the uh, Apollo programs and, and the shuttle program. And, and they saw that deferred maintenance, uh, you know, you're going to have a 30% failure rate if you if you don't maintain sure and and that and we, can be anything we, right we see that yeah i was just going to say we see this with everything but it in in environmental services um you know there's many names for our industry this is mainly what people do you're you're right pre-pandemic it was cut the cut the service cut the service because we'll just do what we have to and now we've went completely to the other side of doing everything and anything and, and all that's possible. And somewhere in between is where 21 is going to wash out as far as that goes. But it will always now, I believe, be at a higher rate of maintenance than what we went into this with. So you're here to talk about indoor air quality. I think it's interesting as you were talking about that, Troy, we went through this period of airtight buildings and that really affected indoor air quality. And I kept telling people, open up the windows, open up the windows. Well, yeah, no, you're right. It's so with, with regard to airtight buildings, uh, again, you, you, it's very good intentions. We want to make uh, these buildings energy efficient. Uh, and, but that came at somewhat of a cost or some unintended consequences. Uh -huh. And, and I think that, uh, you know, one of them was sort of the minimization uh, of outside air being brought in. Well, they thought, well, we could just make the building tight. Uh, we can have adequate filtration and we can keep recirculating the air uh, and, you know, we'll be good. Now, with the exception of, you know, maybe the healthcare and the hospitals where, you know, there, there's pretty strict requirements, you know, to bring a mix of outside air. And, but, you know, class A office uh -huh. buildings, uh -huh. heck, even schools, right? We're going to be tight. We're going to maintain energy efficiency. We're going to put these systems on setbacks when the building's not occupied, which also right now with the pandemic is, is very topical with, uh, you know, the reopening of buildings. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and now other questions and other concerns uh, uh, arose because of this air tightness, right? So now you have 
you know, a setback protocol where these systems basically aren't even running on weekends and the temperature might go up, the humidity in the building might go up uh, and, and not be under rigid control. And now you have microbials starting to proliferate in these different spaces, uh, you know, and that could be bacteria, which in, in most cases inside of a building, if you have uh, the, the quote unquote musty smell, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or uh, an odor that might be described as like a locker room or, or you know, BO, right? Like body odor right. type smell. That's no wet sock smell. That's exactly right. And it's that's generally bacteria, right? And folks don't want to think about this kind of stuff, right? Out of sight, out of mind. But <laughs> Until you smell that, it like that and you're getting the itchy eyes and the runny nose. Well, and that's right. Yeah, no, you see, so that that dirty sock smell, that BO smell is literally bacteria feeding on dead human skin cells. And I think this is what's kind of been interesting as you say that is because in, in one of our, our courses, infection prevention, especially at the expert level, uh, we go uh, in great detail to talk about what's in dust and the yep. dead skin cells is one of the biggest things in dust and how many skin cells we shed in, an, in a given hour. And I, I think as you were talking, you know, my cardiologist just went through some heart surgery here last year. And he said, you know, it's not what's going through your arteries right now. It's what you've already put in there. We got to, you know, they're mm. blocked up. And I, and, I, and I was thinking about before we got on the air today, you know, when you think about the ductwork in a building, um, you can put all the clean air through, but if it's dirty ductwork, you're still pushing dirty air through. No, that's that's absolutely correct, and and it goes back to our prescriptive approach, where, you know, Dave, you have to understand, and and uh, Alan's used this a lot, and you're probably even hearing this in the press more and more, but it's literally the gold rush or the wild, wild west of indoor air quality right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and now you, you, you throw gasoline on that fire with things like the cares act and the American uh, rescue plan now where all of this money and grant money is being thrown in, uh, you know, to schools and city, county, state governments, and, and even through tax credits, you know, the private sector and, and, people are rushing towards technology uh, and, and there's nothing bad about this technology, you know, inherently, right? Uh, UVC, uh, bipolar ionization, uh, in-room air purifiers or, or HEPA. But it, again, much like the airtight building discussion we were just having, you know, what are the unintended consequences of this? Or uh, what's the efficacy of these products if you're putting them in to a dirty system to begin with? So, okay, so, so since you're saying that, Troy, can we, can we kind, of, um, kind of get into the weeds here a little bit? Do you mind? Sure. No, sure. Go ahead. You know, my, my thing here is, is, you know, many of our listeners, uh, you know, come from all different avenues of the cleaning industry. So, you know, kind of what we start here at the academy is we, we kind of have different levels because everybody's on their road to improvement at this point at some different level or capabilities. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the thing is, is a lot of people are like, uh, what's the first thing? How do I recognize that I have an issue, what can I do without, you know, uh, how do I get this conversation started, I guess? Let's start there. Do you mind? Yeah, no, not at all. So, you know, 
maybe pre-pandemic before the technology gold rush, you know, like I need a, I need, you know, 400 air purifier units in all of my classrooms. Right. But before that, you know, we might've had uh, a conversation with a school or a hospital that went like this while well, I'm putting a bit out for duct cleaning and we go, Okay, well, how do you know that you need your ducks cleaned? Well, <laughs> that's you know, what I was going to say. <laughs> right. We've never cleaned them before. Oh, you've never cleaned them before. Or it's been five years since we cleaned them. And so generally that conversation would go, well, when was the last time you looked in them? Right. And and they would go, oh, well, we just. Five years ago. Yeah, right. Five <laughs> years ago. And so, so we, you know, we would generally at Pure Air Control Services, again, environmental focus, we'd say, hey, wait, time out. You know, we don't know how good or bad uh, the hygiene conditions of these ducks are. And you're talking about a pretty expensive endeavor, depending on the size of your building and and the system that is in place. But anyways, you know, let's take a timeout. Why don't we start with the HVAC hygiene assessment? And, 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 you know, it's going to be relatively inexpensive compared to just going out and saying, okay, I'm ready to spend $200,000 on duck cleaning. You know, this is, this might be, you know, a $5,000, $2,500 assessment, depending on the size of your building. But let, let us get in there. We'll send one of our building uh, sciences team members over. We'll, we'll pull some samples out of there. We'll, we'll actually do a, a you know, visual inspection. Uh, we'll do some tape lifts. Uh, we'll take a look at the system as a whole, and then we'll give you a report. We'll, we'll give you actual data uh, backed up with uh, laboratory analysis, photographs, and it'll be a report. And now you have this report to move forward with, uh, not only to see how uh, you know bad the conditions are, but maybe they're in actually pretty good shape, right? And okay, so, that, but so, so the, th- yeah, so the thing report. is, is you're going to do this, and I'm thinking here, Troy, is this something that, you know, you mentioned the CARES Act. We've got this money coming into the school district. Instead of going and buying all of this technology and putting it in just because it will do something on a, on a sheet of paper, uh, and and we want everybody to feel good that we're doing something. We would start with a report like this before we bought any of these air purifying and UVs and all this stuff. I mean, yeah, that's what we would recommend. Is that let's get it. It it, it it's a win win all around, and and that's kind of where I was going with it, right? So you go to your procurement department or uh, your purchasing department, and you say, "I need my ducts cleaned." And they go through and say, well, okay, how many feet? Uh, And that might be it. We've seen quotes or, you know, RFPs go out uh, that it's just like, yeah, we have this many feet of ducks. We need it cleaned. And there's no scope. There's no, uh, you know, considerations for cross-contamination, containment, uh, particle monitoring when you're cleaning it. And so if if you step back a second and you, you take a look at your systems, right, and you see what the hygienic and performance conditions are, now you have the data available to actually write the scope for what you need. So, uh, you know, you might, that way you don't overspend, or at least you know that what your the end goal is, that you're going to have that accomplished, as opposed to just say, clean the ducts, right? You know, and, and you know, we're, so when we would generate that kind of report, a hygiene assessment or a HVAC performance assessment, uh, and, and again, you would be surprised, or maybe not, 
uh, how many facility managers, uh, asset managers don't have one single schedule for all of the ductwork or all of the uh, HVAC air handling units. Yeah, it, it just it happens to be, be whenever. Right. It might be 10 different documents that are in 10 different locations. And so something like this uh, HVAC hygiene assessment is going to take all of that information, even if uh, there's pieces of that puzzle that are missing at the facility level. Well, we can go and build that entire report, that entire schedule. Uh, you know, I'll give you another example. We were working at a big university uh, here in, in Florida, and they went out to bid for duct cleaning. And it was a, your standard, hey, I need to get three bids. You know, they're going to go with the lowest bidder, whatever. Their scope was very generic. It was vague. Right. And so we were coming in, uh, you know, considerably more, let's say, you know, $50,000 more, uh, just rounding it out. And so they went with the lowest bid. And they started having immense problems after the ducts were cleaned. Right. And because they had VAV terminal boxes with reheat coils scattered throughout the ductwork, and the company that they chose weren't mechanically licensed, couldn't work on the VAV terminal boxes, uh, didn't know where they were, and essentially blew a whole bunch of dust and debris into these coils, fouled them up, airflow went down, humidity in the building went up, and now there was other issues. And uh, so this university came back to us and said, well, well, what's going on here? You know, you guys, you know, I saw in your bid that you guys were going to environmentally check this thing out. So they actually came back to us and had us take a look uh, at what this other company did. And we said, well, yeah, you have these, these booster boxes all over the place. And we would have gone in, assessed the conditions of the ductwork, assessed how the system was engineered, and we would have accommodated those because we know how to deal uh, with cleaning those reheat coils. Uh, we know how to deal with containment. So, you know, as far as masking them off so that they wouldn't be fouled. And so long story short, we ended up going in and cleaning that mess up and, and fixing it for them. And it cost the university in the end about double because they still paid the other folks and then they paid us to come in. So, you know, doing this kind of preliminary uh, investigation, whether it's the building at large or just the HVAC systems, is going to arm you with data uh, and, and, and critical data. It's going to uh, highlight any deficiencies, uh, but it'll also highlight what you're doing well. And now you have an action plan or a roadmap to say, well, okay, now I definitively know what needs to get done. And then plus in this age of COVID, it's going to show that you're you're taking a scientific approach to what's happening in your building, and and you so can, then the, the question that would be Troy is, um, let's kind of let our listeners kind of know what size of a building, because I think everybody's thinking right now, okay, well I can't afford, it, and you saved them fifty thousand dollars. I've got, you know, I've got a, a small retail operation, um, you know. Give me an idea here. Uh, do do we work on square footage? Do we work on 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 what to decide at what level? How do I? Where do I start? You know, is there is there little mobile things I can set around to find out whether I need to even think this way? 
Well, certainly there's uh, this new technology is emerging all of the time. Uh, there's all sorts of uh, indoor air quality monitors uh, and apps now that folks can use uh, to sort of get a, a snapshot or, a, you know, a, a higher level overview of what's happening. Uh, we have a platform that's called IAQ Guard, and it's probably a little more sophisticated or commercial level uh, than some of the consumer level apps. Um, but in, uh, conceptually, it's similar, right? So we, you would have a, a series of sensors, or again, if you were just a small retail operation or maybe a restaurant, uh, you could look at uh, maybe a more consumer level one, but it, most of them would involve a sensor. Your phone's not going to do it. So it's, it's a remote sensor and you're going to place it in, in the room uh, that you want to assess. And then it's generally going to collect some pretty basic data, right? So temperature, uh, relative humidity, CO2, you would hope that it would be collecting uh, some uh, particle readings, right? Uh, you know, consumer level devices might not get down to, you know, to 0.3 micron, but it okay. might, they might do PM10 or, or PM2.5, right? Um, and then other things, uh, VOCs or TVOCs, volatile organic compounds, right, uh, is another one. And then when you get into the more sophisticated devices, you know, you might start measuring carbon monoxide, you might start measuring uh, NO2 or formaldehyde. Um, so, but anyways, these sensors, you know, they're going to run and you can check your app and, and then see. And if, if, you know, we know, right, in a building, uh, ASHRAE's recommended this. CDC has sort of followed ASHRAE's guide uh, to a large part. But we know relative humidity should be between 40 and 60% is, is ideal for building operations. And it minimizes, that seems to be the sweet spot, to minimize microbials. Uh, you know, and it's an average, right? So some microbials, uh, you know, might uh, still be present, but they're not going to thrive in that zone. So you want to make sure that your your humidity, right, is in that zone. Uh, carbon uh, dioxide, CO2, right? Um, CO2, for better or worse, and there's some uh, competing thought schools of thought on this, but but predominantly CO2 can be used as a proxy measure for ventilation, right? And traditionally, before these shutdowns and everything, uh, CO2, you know, obviously we're human beings and we need to breathe oxygen and we oh, exhale yeah. CO2, right? So CO2, if there's high levels of CO2. It's not uncommon, maybe pre-pandemic, but if you're in an office building that between eight and six, you know, your CO2 levels are up here, maybe 400, 500, 600 parts per million or something. And that's all still pretty good. But then if you're using one of these monitors, right, maybe seven, eight o'clock at night, it would fall off and be almost negligible, right? It might be down in the 140s or 200, you know, parts per million right. uh, of CO2 because there's just nobody in the office. Correct. Well, uh, similarly, right, if you're seeing, if, if you if you have multiple sensors in your building, or you're you're seeing a high level of CO2 that's just not uh, leaving the building after the people leave, or maybe it, it's even higher than what the the good baseline would be at about 400, right? Then maybe you're not getting enough ventilation in that room, or maybe that sensor is in an area that might be in a dead zone, 
right? And so now you say, well, hmm, I'm not getting the ventilation I need. What could be causing this? Could it be, you know, that my filters need to be changed? And, and the air handler unit, is there blockage uh, like that university example I gave, uh, where maybe not the the coil in the air handler unit is fouled, but maybe uh, one of these booster fans or reheat coils is fouled. So that particular area isn't having the air pushed out or returned as quickly, exhausted as quickly. So, you know, CO2 as a measure of ventilation is, you know, it, it's a good starting point. You know, it might not be the pro starting point. That's when you would call in, you know, a physical a person like one of our industrial hygienists or test and balance guys to come in and say, okay, what's really going on here. Right. So, but so, it, it offers that those, that kind of monitoring internet of things uh, that, that is complementary or even at a consumer level, I was going to say complementary to a BAS building automation system, but even at a consumer level, if you're doing it at the app level is a very good, um, you know, frontline defense to, to kind of keep an eye on things. Right, as an indicator. Yeah, kind of an indicator to tell you you need to be doing something. Uh, Troy, I'm going to take a, a moment here. We're listening and having a good conversation with Troy with Pure Air Services. We are sponsored uh, by Gym Supply out of Central Florida, where they've been providing cleaning supplies to save lives since 1930. Very happy to be sponsored by them. Um, you know, we're talking about... Well, things are healthy, positive, and proactive, as we do on every show. Hopefully, you've uh, enjoyed our first 30 minutes. We've got a lot more to talk about. Uh, Troy, I think we're going to try to have either you or some of your colleagues there at Pure Air on a regular basis uh, every month. Is that something we are still involved in? Oh, yeah. In fact, we were. I was talking to a couple of my colleagues today, one of them, uh, being one of our industrial hygienists and, and ACAC certified as a, a indoor environmental consultant. Uh, his name is Carl Steffen. So I think that, you know, when we really decide we want to get in the weeds, Dave, we'll, uh, we'll bring him on and we, he can talk certainly at a much higher level about this conversation we were just having with IAQ monitoring. Um, and I and, think that's Troy, what you're talking about here. You know, we have consumers in our environment that you and I touch because of our the industries we're in um, at all levels and you know I, I've been working with some people in New York and they go oh well you know we're very specific in this area you need to talk only about this and in the cleaning industry that's very difficult to talk only about one segment because literally what you and I both do we're in every building on the planet <laughs> that's no that's right i think our grand total is 800 million square feet and over 15,000 buildings you know since the late 80s and so we've seen and, it all and in all types of buildings so right. all kinds of uses and 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 of course as you know every building's different and, and now what we have is we we have this huge influx of people in the last 18 months now throwing every conceivable technology and chemical yeah. at the perceived issues that they have. And I'm not going to go into that in, on this podcast. Right. But, you know, Troy, I think as I listen to you, you know, we, we have people that, as you just said, a consumer level, a commercial level that are just going, well, I've been doing everything I'm supposed to. You know, I'm following the CDC. I'm spraying disinfectant. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You know, I've always said, you know, when you run a vacuum cleaner and you stir up all of the stuff that's in the carpet and you throw it in the air, 
Now you've created a worse work environment for the worker than before if you'd have never run the vacuum cleaner. I don't want to get into all of that stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, but as somebody that's been in a lifelong environment of you know doing the, uh, uh, sorry to say this, the grunt work of running mm -hmm. the vacuum, doing all of this stuff and exposing myself to all of those environmental issues as I did my work, um, I think it's very interesting as I've talked to different professionals over the last year, how now we've completely lost consideration in some way for what we're doing in the environment while we're doing all of this, just as long as we're spraying disinfectant and we're cleaning and we're disinfecting. Um, have you seen in all of what you're doing any uptick in bad indoor air quality because of all of this or where do you see us going? I know maybe that's out of the scope of what you're was going to talk about today, but. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there and, and that a couple of things, right. And we've covered some of this already deferred maintenance out of sight, right. out of mind right. Uh, funding. Right. And so now you have a situation uh, setbacks, right, uh, to, for energy efficiency, where on the nights and weekends, hey, we're going to crank the system and just basically turn it off. And then what kind of problems that creates. And so oh, yeah. now you're seeing almost a perfect storm uh, that is diametrically opposed to each other. On one end, right, you're seeing this hyper awareness for indoor air quality. And you're seeing uh, folks that would not normally talk about uh, something like ventilation, talking about ventilation. So we work with a, a consortium of schools in the Philly area and, and Carl and myself were getting ready to go on and, and give a presentation. And, and this, uh, the organizer said, you know, now we, and she, she's from a member school. She goes, you know, now we have parents calling into our schools asking us about our ventilation rates. She goes, I guarantee you that that person doesn't even know what she's asking about. But she heard it, right? So now you have this hyper level of awareness. Of and, and the thing is, quality. is they have to respond to that. They have to be able to respond to those questions. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have buildings that have been shut down for almost a year in some places right. or, or have been at minimal operations. And so you're going to be reopening these buildings in a, in a situation where you're under a microscope now more than you've ever been. Uh, and so it, it's, we have seen it, you know, where, uh, things like mold have, have come up in the building, right. uh, because it's been shut down. It's been humid in the building. Uh, there hasn't been good airflow in the building. So it's, it's allowed, uh, some of these contaminants, uh, the opportunity to proliferate, uh, again, Legionella, right? So, uh, you know, this is a conversation that comes up you know, you know, every six months, let's say, right before the pandemic. Okay. It's Legionella awareness, but now you have building water systems that, that haven't been running and, and okay, right. are they going to flush the building when they open it? Uh, or are they, you know, going to, you know, say, okay, well, we checked our chemicals. Uh, the influx of chemicals is still going in, you know, we're going to run the system a little bit and we're good. Or are they going to say, okay, you know what? This building has been closed the last eight months. Let's go ahead and bring someone in and test, you know, our water at different points in the system to get a big picture on how we're doing. 
you know, and, and might not, it might be other kinds of bacteria in the system and not Legionella. So, you know, it, the question now becomes with the hyper-focus, you know, are you going to get behind it and, and do what you can, or at least make a plan? And a lot of what we talk about, as, as I was alluding to with these building health checks and HVAC hygiene assessments, is that, you know, that, that's almost the starting point. Hey, the building's been closed for 10 months. What's the baseline conditions right now? And, and if you can understand that, now you have a, a better grounding or a better foundation to make a plan to say, okay, well, we, you know, this we can wait on, this we have to move forward with right now. And then, you know, here, here we go as we are back up and running, we can start to address, you know, these things. So having that, that plan. So we look at a building uh, as, as I made that, you know, diagnosis and prescriptive analogy, we look at a building as a holistic uh, system, right? So uh-huh. understand that the baseline. Is. Look at look at the lungs of your building. Look at who's taking the breath for your building. It's the HVAC system. Every 15 minutes, it's taking a breath, it's removing the bad air, and it's bringing, hopefully, filtered mixed air back in. That's what ASHRAE is recommending. That's what the CDC is now recommending as far as ventilation. So what are the conditions? What, what are the conditions of your lungs and your trachea <laughs> and your air, you know, your airways, right? And you know, Troy, as you as you say that, you know, I'm a I'm a, a COPD sufferer, and chemicals back in the '80s is what gave me asthma, which has yeah. now progressed. And if, if there's any any of our listeners that totally understand this, if you have respiratory issues, you totally understand what Troy's talking about because if your lungs don't work right, I don't care what else in your body is working right. If you don't get oxygen, if you're not breathing well and those airways aren't clear and open, you, you, you don't, you don't function. Um, and I, I think that's very interesting as you put that Troy, because this indoor air quality issue, uh, you know, I used to teach a tremendous about a, a amount about green cleaning and I still do. It's not the primary focus anymore, but indoor air quality is so important to the health of the building and so much of what we do has either positive or negative effects on that. So we've kind of covered here the start stuff. And I think even your assessment is getting that, uh, the test and having the doctor analyze the test and give us a, a prescription of routine maintenance that we need to do for the next however many months. What do we do when we find there's a, an existing situation like what you just mentioned We've got people that are now having facilities that are going from 25% to 50% to full open. Are they in for unintended consequences too? Well, I mean, I, I, I think that they could be, right? If, if they have, you know, the cleanliness inside of the air handler units is such that uh, there's biofilms built up in the drain pan, uh, there's fouling in the coil. So the airflow, uh, coming through the coil, Hey, I, I put my Merv 13 in, but the coils impacted, right? So, uh, and, and that creates a, a chain effect, right? A domino effect, a chain reaction throughout the entire system in, in the building. So yeah, I have a brand new filter in there, but I have, uh, fouling bacteria in the coils, perhaps mold growing on the insulation inside of the air handler unit. Uh, 
that's all after the filters, right? And that's going into the supply stream and out through all of the drops in the rooms. And and I've seen it personally, uh, even though I'm not on a remediation team, I've been to the job site, I've gone to, to film case study videos and such. And so, you know, I've had my respirator on inside of these <laughs> units with these guys as they're steam cleaning these, these coils and sanitizing the inside of these air handler units. And I've, I have visibly seen mold, you know, caked up on the inside walls of these air handler units and, and it smells. It smelled like rotten apples when I was in there for the one. And of course, our lab director was like, oh, it's chatatorium. It's, you know, because that's a common, you know, rotten fruit is a common uh, byproduct smell of that. I mean, I wouldn't have known. I'm not a microbiologist, but <laughs> but they, you know, so, yeah, you're right. If, if the buildings have been on setbacks, if, if they if the systems haven't been run or maintained in, you know, eight months, uh, then there's a good possibility that, you uh, there's built up dust and debris that's going to be post filter that's going to get into the room. And like you said, it might not be uh, as deadly serious immediately as COVID-19, uh, but now you're in a building uh, and maybe you have your mask on, maybe you have your own office, so you're not wearing your mask, but now that that AC or that heater kicks on and it sends the dust into your room and you start sniffling, you start yeah, I, th yeah, I think of the, I think of this Troy much as one of the issues of, you know, whenever you know it's been summer and uh, you get into fall, and especially in the colder environments where people start turning on their heaters for the first time in the winter. There you go. Yeah, and it smells like the whole house is on fire. All of the dust and everything settled in there. Uh, that's you know, I just got this mental picture of that when you were talking there. No, no, that's right. And then if you think about it with, with cooling, uh, you're not going to have that stuff burning up, right. you know, and, and producing that, uh, that odor and, and, you know, basically a gas, you know, in the form of smoke or the, the odor. And so, but that dust is still traveling through the system. It breaks off or like, let's look at this, right? So that, Fiberglass insulation, if, if the unit's not a double-walled unit, or if your ductwork is, is made of ductboard, right, uh, and fiberglass ductboard, and now, uh, you know, that is starting to degrade. There's weight put on it, and now these fiberglass particles are breaking off, and they're airborne and, and, and get through the system and, and out into the occupied space, uh, you know, certainly that poses a problem. And obviously, there's there's ways to remediate that with encapsulation. So there's there's lots of different constituents and contaminants that the HVAC system picks up and can distribute, uh, even if you have very good filtration. You know, uh, even pre-filtration, right? If the cabinet is not sealed properly, if the filters bend, if the filter rack, uh, if they're not fitted right, uh, there can be infiltration around the filters to still bring that in uh, from, you know, the, the pre-stage and then anything that, that's not clean after that filtration stage or even after the coil certainly runs the uh, risk of being distributed back into the building. So, you know, the other thing I want to mention here, Dave, too, I mean, real quickly, uh, is that, you know, there's been a lot of focus on filter upgrades, but 
uh, you need to be pretty darn sure that your system was designed to take one of these higher yeah, efficiency yeah. filters, or yeah. you're going to have all kinds of problems, including possible failure on your system. Yeah, it's like you can't put premium uh, unleaded into a car that's run 150,000 miles on regular. It's going to have consequences. Right. And so I, you know, I, I strongly, for folks that are out there that are more in facilities, or maybe even if you've been tasked with the responsibility of, of doing the filter swap outs and the the higher ups are, oh, we have to have HEPA, we have to have MERV. Uh, you better spec it and make sure that that, that system or unit was designed for it, or else, uh, you know, you could be actually choking the system off and, and creating other problems. Uh, as far as that goes as well. So, you know, it all goes into this big picture, you know, test, balance, clean the AC, clean the ductwork. Now let's look at what the indoor environment has as far as like you were discussing uh, topical cleaning, vacuuming, what does the CDC recommend? Um, do you want to go above and beyond that with any kind of electrostatic spray? And then once that regimen is down, and trust me, if your AC is cleaner, your indoor environment's gonna stand a better chance at being cleaner and more efficient when you're going through and, and doing all of the uh, you know day-to-day -day janitorial custodial type of cleaning. I think what you said, you know, Troy, what you said is a holistic approach. And I think that's exactly what you just explained. All of these things are holistic to the uh, health of the building occupants. I mean, this is what we're talking about. Oh yeah, that's, that's so true. And then, then, if, if you're doing these things right, and, and, and the thing is, is like we just discussed earlier, uh, building age, building size, building use, all of these things affect, uh, you know, what's going on inside of that building, for better or worse. And most people right now coming through the pandemic, states that have already pretty much opened, like Florida, but other states that haven't, that are starting to make moves to get higher occupancies and reopen, Right. Uh, you know, they're all doing some part of this already. Uh, and so they, they might have, like you said, they might have really dug into the CDC recommendations on all of the topical cleaning and cleaning of the space, but they've left the, the HVAC system alone. And, you know, so what are the ramifications of that? And so when, when we talk about a holistic program and with our environmental background, you know, we're talking about coming alongside and complementing what many folks are already doing well in one or two areas and then trying to get them to think about other areas that either might have been neglected or they just didn't even think about uh, to start to fill in the blanks to create essentially what we call a self-healing building. By the time you get to using things like UVC lights inside of the system or robots that help your custodial staff or bipolar ionization within the system or even in-room air purification. You know, all of those things are great complements to what you're doing already, right? And that's what we, we alluded to earlier. So, you know, why, why would you, I, I think I said it about the dental, you know, analysis. Like, so I, I have tooth decay and I might need a cavity in the back of my mouth. Well, why would I just start using white strips? Or if I never brushed my teeth, why would I use, you know, tooth whitening strips? Because it's not going to fix the problem. My smile might look more white eventually, but 
you know, I still need a cavity and filled in the back of my mouth. So if, if you're putting these air purifiers in, but your duct work is filthy, you're just going to increase the burden on the in-room air filtration because of all the particulate that's still coming out of the ductwork. And you're making that new investment uh, less efficient, right? And perhaps you're going to have to change those filters even more now. And of course, you know, what happens when you're sitting between the register and where the air purifier is? If you're on the other side of the air purifier, hey, maybe you're good. But now you're sitting right in the path of all that particulate coming out of the ductwork and going into the in-room air purifier. Uh, does so, it? Does know, anybody listening right now feel that this conversation could last for days and days and days? You know, we've been going for 50 minutes, and I guess that's what happens when you get somebody in education and marketing together, right? Yeah, no, yeah, that that's true. You know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's interesting because, uh, you know, I I I had a pretty wide background in marketing before coming here, and then and to be honest with you, it, it, it the 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 company that I was working for just prior, we we were doing organic hair products, B two B, selling into salons, right? And there was a big push at that time, you know, six seven years ago where there was a real formaldehyde issue inside of these salons, right? And so that's an air quality issue. And I didn't right. know anything about air quality at that time. I mean, you know, basic stuff. You got to change your filter, stuff that a homeowner would know, right? You right. know, oh, maybe I should look in my ducts. I, you know, if, if they're <laughs> dusty, I'm just going to dust the, the, the vents. When, when I, I can dust what I can see, but forget about the rest of it. So I come here and I start working. And uh, Pure Air Control Services, we're, it's a very hands-on company. Like our training here, whether you're, you know, an administrator, whether you're in accounting, marketing, or, or certainly, you know, sales or technicians, almost everybody goes through the same training up until, you know, I'm in remediation. I mean, I'm not going to take the NADCA test or I'm not going to go through ACAC and become a certified environmental consultant. But as far as the internal training, I mean, I had to sit with our lab director the same as our front receptionist did for an hour and basically go back to school you know, biology 101 yep. and learn about everything that they do here. And so after my first month working here, every building I went into, I'm looking at the vents, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sniffing, I'm like, start... thinking like, what is going on here? <laughs> well, know? life took and a it, different turn for you, didn't it? Yeah, sure did. And I think that with, with this increased awareness for folks that uh, might not have had a background or any inclination about how sophisticated this field of study is and, and practice is, uh, are certainly getting an education uh, right now and in the coming days and, and year or so. I mean, look, you, you're having an organization like the Well Building Institute having a Super Bowl commercial with Jennifer Lopez in it. Right. So, OK, we can talk a little bit about marketing. And My how things have changed. Think about, but right. Think about that right now, that that now that's how big the focus is. It used to be facility guys and they're having to fight with their purchasers to be like, oh, you know, I do really need to clean these ducks. Well, we just don't have the money. Are you sure you really need to clean them? To so so I'm so I should be it. looking for a Jennifer Lopez Pure Air commercial soon. No, no, probably not. <laughs> 
You know, folks, I appreciate all the time that you've spent with us listening to two guys banter around about indoor air quality. And this is our first visit with Pure Air Control and Troy. Just think of what's going to happen every month. We, I don't know. I don't know if once a month's going to be enough, Troy. <laughs> well, certainly, you know, I, I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, I, we'd love to have some questions come in. So if, if folks, if, if you're listening to the playback on this, uh, be thinking about things that you really want to know more about uh, as far as indoor air quality goes, building systems uh, go uh, and and jot them down or, or send Dave an email. And, and you know, we, well, we can well, Troy, let, tell them how to get hold of you. Come on now. You're in marketing. Right. Tell them how to get hold of you. So it, our website is pureaircontrols.com. And there's a wealth of information on that website, all kinds of case studies. Again, we're scientifically driven. So, you know, we're constantly evaluating our practices and, and how uh, these different jobs and scenarios turned out. We have a very active blog. So we're posting one new content piece a week that's relevant and topical to what's going on today. So pureaircontrols.com is a good starting point for us. And then, uh, you know, my email address is... My first initial and last name at pureaircontrols.com, and that's T-R-A-S, like Sierra, Z, like Zulu, K-A, at pureaircontrols.com. So T-Raska at pureaircontrols.com. And so, yeah, we, we will be happy to answer any kind of questions, consult with you. Uh, this is what we do, and we love doing it because we're helping people uh, better their buildings, better their environments. And it's like we say, you know, healthy buildings, healthy people. And and it's been our mantra long before J-Lo got on uh, the Well Building Institute and started talking about it. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, we can help you out. We have a wealth of experience. So I've got two questions I want to ask you, Troy, before we let sure. you go. Where were you born? So I was born in Toledo, Ohio. Uh-huh. Okay. Right there, you're not a Florida. You're not a Floridian then. I am not a Floridian. Nope. I grew up on the Great Lakes and mainly Lake Erie and uh, up there in Northwest Ohio. Okay. So on your personal bucket list this year, not business, and I know that we're not talking about bucket list like we're dying next week, but <laughs> you know something. You know something personally you you really want to get accomplished on your list this year. Hmm. That's a that's a darn good question on my list. Okay, so so now while Troy's thinking about this, uh, folks, you can go to academyofcleaning.com. You can see all of the courses that we have here at the Academy to help you with understanding some of the basic uh, information and knowledge for frontline technicians. We have a very robust program on infection prevention, which is, uh, uh, as Troy said, the hot topic these days. We have the technician level, the expert level, um, we have the supervisory le level, and coming later this year, we're going to have the master's level. And as Troy was talking about the scientific approach, as you move through the different levels of infection prevention, it gets more scientific and more technology gets involved because I think a lot of what Troy and I were talking about today, you've got to understand all of this to holistically take care of the health of the building. You know our three words, healthy, positive, and proactive. Troy, did it give you enough time to come up with that thing? Well, my bucket list, and maybe it's not a bucket list, but 
uh, I have a sophomore daughter in high school who just is starting to learn how to drive. Uh-oh. So my bucket list is that uh, we make it out of the other side of this summer alive. <laughs> <laughs> With that dinner you know, up car. Yeah, right, exactly. And, you know, in Florida driving. No, but it, we're, we're just starting that. And, and you know, you, you start to think of that process the same way that we're thinking about what you just said. Uh, with your your mantra and and even this process of thinking about what we've just been talking about, it's the same thing. A car is a system, so I'm having to really work with her to to you know become a good, safe driver. And it's, so, so are you are you having to think back about what all of the things that you just do naturally that you should instruct her to do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's <laughs> it's isn't it something? You know, like you're sitting in that passenger seat and she has her temporaries, right, uh, license. And, you know, and then you want to be sensitive. So, you you know, you cool, uh, cool, calm and collected. Right. <laughs> so not emotional. Uh, and, you know, but, yeah, you're sitting there thinking like, you know, now I'm driving on my commute to work again, essential worker. Right. Environmental company. We we never shut down here. So I still had a commute. But now I'm driving and I'm thinking like, wait, did I turn my turn signal on or didn't I? Uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm watching all the other traffic a little with a little bit more of a heightened awareness. So, no, I, I think that, yeah, you know, like, like anything, uh, instilling that wisdom and teaching her how to drive and helping her get across the finish line is going to be a huge accomplishment for both of us. Well, and, later this and, year, we'll check in with you and see if you survive perfect. the year. <laughs> For sure. Troy, it's been good talking with you. Uh, we look forward to a, a regular, um, well, engagement with you and Pure Air Controls on a, on a monthly basis. Folks, it probably won't be on a Monday morning. Uh, you know, nobody was here live with us today. We'll probably do this at a different time on a regular schedule. So, Stay tuned and keep in touch with us. Like and share us here on Podbean Live. That way, whenever we put something up and we put it out there, you'll get a, you know, one of those ticker things on your phone that says, hey, listen up. Uh, you know, Pure Air Controls is on the air again. Troy, how did you think about your first time on there? Hey, I loved it, Dave. I, I, I can talk about this stuff all day. And uh, I, I'm just super appreciative that you had us on. And I'm definitely looking forward to our future uh, talks together. Tell Ellen I said hi, and folks, remember from now until the next time we talk again, make sure whatever you do, it is healthy, positive, and proactive. Until our next podcast, have a good one.